For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I do please keep that open. Thanks, John. Father, we've uh, sung about uh, Jesus being mighty to save. And we pray that you'd help us to understand more of that. Pray that, um, yeah, we'd have spiritual sight this morning. You give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Amen. Well, we're looking this morning at what we've just read, at that prayer. And it's a massive prayer. It's an awesome prayer, which is going to help spiritual pygmies like me and anyone else in the room who confesses to having some stuff to learn about prayer. Let's look into it. Let's dive in. Verse 14. For this reason, Paul says, because of what he's been saying already, because of the wonderful eternal purpose of God... General chapter 1 verse 10, God's big purpose is to bring to unity everything, all things under Christ. And what does that mean for you and me? It means that God's saving a people who are his very own. Just on the facing page, chapter 3 verse 6, we looked at it last week. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that's us I think, all of us, most of us, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's God's eternal purpose, says Paul. So I'm going to pray. (laughs) I'm going to pray that you might not just know it in your head or read it on the page, but that you might really know him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you're someone who prays, uh, we're not going to be looking at something extra to do in your life but rather it's a coaching session from someone who really knows God, who's really a prayer, who's going to coach us in our praying, whether we just pray at home or on the bus or wherever it is we pray. We're going to get coaching from a spiritual giant, how to go deeper with God. And if you don't yet pray, well, this is a window this morning into what could be in your life, what God wants in your life for you to know about him from someone who really does know God and really prays to God. So there are three parts that are on the sheet. We pray to the Father to be strengthened by the Spirit to know the love of Christ. Let's look at the first part. Praying to the Father. 
And Paul talks, doesn't he, uh, if you look at verse 14, about coming to God on his knees. Well, that's not for all of us. Not all of us have knees that are in a particularly good shape. But many of us do. And uh, it's an excellent posture to adopt when talking to Almighty God, isn't it? For us humans to remember, okay, yeah, okay, I'm going to humble myself before Almighty God. Verse 15, he's the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's our origin, our source, our creator. He gives us life. Actually, my next breath is his gift to me. And so, I often am not physically kneeling when I pray, but whatever posture we have, sitting, kneeling, walking to the bus, in our hearts, we want to be having a kneeling posture as we pray, as it were, humbling ourselves before Almighty God, trusting him, coming before him with reverence and humility. At the same time, so we have that, we come to Almighty God, we kneel. At the same time, we've been learning already that we're his sons and daughters. He loves us. He, uh, he speaks to us. He loves to hear from us and for us to speak to him about anything we like. Uh, if we look again at what we looked at last week, 3.12, just on the facing page, in him, uh, in Jesus that is, and through faith in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's what, that's what God wants for us. He's delighted to answer prayers for his family when we pray for things that are good for us. I guess just like parents, um, lots of parents in the room and grandparents, you're delighted when your children ask you for something that's good for them. Mum, please can I have an apple? Yes, of course you can. Dad, please can we go in the park in the, this afternoon and play in the sunshine? Brilliant. I was waiting for you to ask, what time should we do it? So it is with God. Heavenly Father, would you help me to understand some more of your love? I find it really complicated. I just don't really get it. Of course I will. Lord, would you work inside me so Jesus really is at the centre of my life and at home in my life? Brilliant. I've just been waiting for you to ask. Of course I will. That's what God's like, like any good parent. He loves to hear prayers from his children for things that are good for us and in line with his will. He's a good heavenly father. And you'll see that I've already jumped ahead to the content of the prayer. So let's do that. Verse 16. The prayer is that we would be strengthened by the Spirit, working powerfully within to grasp something, something that's real but unseen to grasp what this has been talking about in this letter, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And it's mind-blowing. It's beyond human understanding, but that's the point. It surpasses knowledge if you look at verse 19. But Paul's still praying that they would know it because he's praying that God would show us at a deep level, at a personal level, at a real level, in the spirit realm. He'll show us what's real. And this is the teaching of Ephesians. It talks about the heavenly realms, the spirit realm. It's a reality around us. It's, uh, we're part of it. We're engaging with it, um, whether we're conscious of that or not. And it's saying that if we've trusted Jesus, we're in the spirit realm. We're in him already. We're part of God's family already. We're united Jew and Gentile already. And the prayer is that the spirit of God would powerfully strengthen us to realize that. 
There's a couple of pictures here that will help us. Uh, Verse 17 is one from the world of uh, gardening, uh, rooted and established in love. On the uh, windowsill in the vicarage, I've got these little pots with some little sprouts of lavender in them. And I hope that what's happening is that those little sprouts, those little cuttings that my green-fingered mum helped me to take when she was here over the summer, are putting down roots into that soil so that the old lavender bush, which is basically overgrown and dying, can be replaced by these little cuttings going in the ground in the spring, and then they can put down roots into the soil, and that there'll still be lavender outside the vicarage. That's my hope. And that's, I think, about being rooted and established. I want those little, little tiny cuttings to get rooted, and then get in the soil and get established. And that's a picture of what God wants for you and me. Uh, look, look at where we're planted, verse 17. We're rooted and established, if we're trusting Jesus, in the love of God. That's our soil. And God wants for us, Paul prays for us, to grow more and more aware of the soil, of God's limitless love. To put out roots into it, to draw in nourishment from it, to draw in goodness from God so that we grow more and more like him. Do you see that vision for your life and for my life, this church's life, that Christ will be more and more at home in our hearts and among us? I was saying that in the spring, the plan is to put the pot plant out and, um, and, and then, you know, good soil, hopefully, and put it down its roots. That's, that's, that's the vision. Some Christians, um, it's a bit... I don't really know what to do about it other than to pray for them that God continues to reveal his love because it seems to me that for some Christians they're planted out by God into the good soil of his love but they behave as though they're still inside a pot. Instead of their roots going out and out and out and them growing and growing and growing through the years into maturity... It seems that, well, they've been told about Jesus as a child, maybe in the youth group of a church or a boys' brigade. And, um, but instead, when they're planted out of, of, of them growing into God and growing and drawing more and more from them, they behave as if the pot's still there. They just try and hold on to what they were told as children rather than pursuing God, seeking God, praying this kind of prayer and saying, God, I want more of you. Because I'm not going to run out of you, God. Wow. Just show me more, Lord. I, I can't get it. But would you, show, would you strengthen me by your spirit to grasp something that surpasses human knowledge? That's what God wants for you and me. For us to not stay inside an imaginary pot, but to put out our roots into him and to grow. There's no limit on what God has for you and me in this lifetime and more and more in eternity, of course. And so I want to ask you, have you grasped that yet? Have I grasped that yet? I mean, I'm preaching it, but I'm preaching it to myself as well. Have we really grasped that God wants us to grow more and more and more if we get to 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 for us to be knowing him better at 90 as far as, you know, the grey cells allow will be things we forget. But sure, we may have forgotten information, but we still know God better at 90 than we did when we were 20. 
That's the vision for us to grow more and more and more into him. Well, the second picture here is the one that's right through. It's that of family, uh, that we are uh, children of God. That's right through in Ephesians. We're part of uh, his people. And um, again, uh, it's a picture I want us to consider of growth. It's, we're, if we think about Ephesians, it says at the beginning of chapter 2, we're dead in our transgressions and sins. We're, we're children who started life uh, in an orphanage or on the streets, and now we've been adopted into a loving family. Um, but when that happens to children, if they've started life in care, um, it takes real time to change and to start enjoying the freedom and confidence that this uh, talks about. The, the big changes happen, though, for them. They're in, and then the change happens for them gradually uh, over the years as they learn what it is to be in a loving family. Uh, some of us were at a conference uh, a week ago yesterday, and uh, we heard from a guy who that was exactly his experience. Um, he told us about the time that he was uh, sleeping rough. Uh, he, he grew up in care, um, got kicked out at 18, uh, was sleeping rough uh, around Victoria Station, um, using drugs to numb the pain. But he heard about Jesus, went into a church, and he heard what we thought about earlier, that there's some really challenging bad news, which is that it's not just that we're a victim of our circumstances, which he told himself, but actually that he'd done wrong. And he said when he heard that, he knew it was the truth. And then he heard the really good news, that Jesus came for people who'd done wrong. That Jesus came and died to save people like him, people like you, people like me. And he accepted that message, that truth. He put his faith in Jesus and he joined a church which he described in a comical way was quite an experience <laughs> of this lad who'd grown up and we'd been on the streets coming in and finding these sort of very proper Christians and smart suits and doing their best to include him. But they did do their best to include him and he was telling the story of all the highs and lows of what it was like to become part of a new family to be far from the finished article as we all are, but to be in the place of security where we know we're loved by God and the person sitting next to us is told by God that they've got to love us too. And so we become part of something which gives us the potential to grow to become the people that we're supposed to be. And the guy talking to us is now a pastor. It's a great story. So the same for us. We're praying to the Father to strengthen us by the Spirit to give us power to grasp what's real. And that power word is the Greek word dunamis from which we get the word dynamite, which I just thought I'd throw in. So we're praying for the Holy Spirit to work with dynamite to blow up anything in our lives that stops us from grasping how much God loves us and from Jesus being central in our lives that's what we're praying for. Are you up for that? Strengthened by the Spirit to grasp how much we're loved by Jesus. That's where this prayer is going. 
And the big surprise, I think, of the prayer, at least for me, is what's not prayed for. If you look at the build-up, verse 16, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with dynamite in your inner being. Verse 70, I pray that you may have power. What are you expecting? I'm expecting something like power to really love God or power to really love people, power to do something worthwhile with my life to serve God. That's what I'm expecting. But what does Paul actually pray, do you see? What do we need all this power for? To grasp how much God loves us. That the reality of it would really soak into our souls. That we really, really, really are loved by God. That is the reality that if we put our faith in Jesus, we live in now. It's the soil we're planted in. It's unseen, though. That's why we need all this power to grasp it. It's not going to be in the storyline of EastEnders or Emmerdale. It's not going to be something obvious. It's very real, but we can't see it, so we need God to help us to grasp it. And verse 18 invites us to use our imaginations to engage with this, to, to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. Compare the love of Christ to the universe, he's saying. All the ancient commentators, when they read this, they saw in verse 18 a picture of the cross, the upright pole, pointing to the heights of heaven, reaching down to the depths of the earth, the outstretched arms. Pinned to it, uh, Jesus Christ, as he suffers for you and me, removing our sin as we sang, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far. He has removed our transgressions from us. And the arms are outstretched in welcome to the world to come back to God through him. There's a vicar in uh, Sheffield who was uh, at a conference I was at and uh, he was telling us that his his family signs off their text messages uh, I-L-Y-M-T-T-S Yeah, got it? (laughs) Which stands for I love you more than the stars. He started doing it one night after he put his five-year-old son to bed. He said, good night, I love you. And his five-year-old son beamed back, I love you more than the stars, daddy. He'd been reading the story of Abraham in Genesis where God invites Abraham to look up at the night sky and to try and count the number of stars and then makes Abraham a promise that his descendants will outnumber the number of the stars. And that had got the little boy thinking, I love you more than the stars. It's one how one child expresses it. Others, you ask them, how much do you, how much do you love uh, grandma or grandpa or mummy or daddy? And they'll spread out their arms, won't they? This much, this much, more than this much. How much does Jesus love you and me? How much does he love the church? How big's the universe? I mentioned church, you'll heard me throw it in a couple of times as well as you and me, because actually, when this prayer pr- goes through it and you read you in the prayer, often I think you, oh, that's me, that's me isn't it? But actually it's you plural. Every time you hear you in this prayer, not it's as in you are, as the Americans might say, rather than you individually. So Paul, if he was praying this for St. Helens, he'd be praying that we as a group experience the love of God. Because we won't fully discover it on our own. 
that we as a group would be strengthened with power by the Spirit to grasp all that God has done for us. That's God's purpose. It's one of the reasons that gathering with Christians is so important. It's part of the healthy Christian life is that we will gather and grow together in a community. And if you think about what God's uh, done in the church, um, (laughs) uh, the thing we've been seeing in Ephesians, but also looking around us, he's brought incredibly diverse people together. Um, In the ancient world, the biggest division was Jew and Gentile. They hated each other. Isn't much of an exaggeration, to be honest, as two cultures. And the wonderful thing we've been reading in Ephesians is God brought them together in Christ as one family. Well, God's brought us lot together with all of our diversity. How are we going to be strong? How are we going to be united? By grasping more and more of God's immeasurable love for us. It's not about being clever. It's about the Holy Spirit showing us, knowing something that surpasses knowledge. And so we pray to the Father to be strengthened by the Spirit to grasp the love of Christ. What a prayer to pray. That's the prayer. And then just as we close, notice verse 20. He comes back to God. Having explained what he's praying for them, he's praying away, but he focuses them back on God at the end because he wants them to know, he wants us to know, God is able to do what we ask if we're asking about these things. Actually, look at, look at verse 20. Look at the way he builds, builds it up. Uh, to him is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. See? So God's able to do all we ask. Actually, he's able to do more than that. Sometimes we imagine things, don't we? We, we never get really around to praying about them but we imagine how it could be. Well, God can do that as well. Actually, he can do even more than you can imagine that he can do. In fact, he can do, notice what it says, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Do you see where he's building it up? Those are pretty exciting dimensions. The width, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ. He's able to fill you with that and me with that and this church with that more than we can ask or imagine. And if you think about what, we, um, what we've known about the um, church in Ephesus, those of us who've been here at the beginning of the series, the, the extraordinary opposition they faced because they challenged the way things were being done in the city just by being Christian and not worshipping uh, Diana, goddess of the Ephesians. They faced real opposition, but Paul's not worried because God can do immeasurably more than all we else can imagine. He's going to look after them. It's not going to be a problem. Rightly, as a PCC, we uh, discuss from time to time some of the challenges facing the Church of England, um, some of the elements in our culture that seem to starting to object to the Christian faith, to uh, people uh, um, holding a Christian faith in a public way. Those are the sort of things that we ought to be thinking about as um, leaders, and actually all of us ought to be thinking about, wouldn't we? Just, uh, I, I don't know what it's like in your workplace, but I imagine there are real challenges. There are in this culture. Should that worry us? Are we going to be overwhelmed? Of course not. God is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask and imagine. 
The church isn't just one of his hobbies for a wet Sunday afternoon. It's his eternal purpose. He'll sustain the church in one way, shape or form. The Church of England shouldn't presume upon that. But he'll sustain the church in some way because it's his. So let me close and say, can you imagine a church, our church, totally united? Actually, our church and all the churches of the area, totally united, totally aware of the love of God. Can you imagine that? Can you try to imagine that? Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, loving our neighbours as ourselves, God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And our part is to pray. And verses 16 to 19 are a very good place to start.